Let's stand together, if we can, for the reading of the Word of God, Luke chapter 1. And we'll read from verse 26 down through verse number 33. Good crowd this morning. I was a little nervous that a bunch of people were going to play hooky and stay home. I'm glad you all came out today. All right, 26, I'll begin in 26. We'll begin together as is our custom in 27 and then read in that pattern down through verse 33. The Bible says that in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Together, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God Give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom there shall be no end. The title of our message this morning is a question, and it's this, are you highly favored of the Lord? Back in our passage, it says, the angel said to her, hail, thou art highly favored, highly favored. Would God say about you that you are highly favored. Let's talk about what made Mary highly favored and what can make us highly favored with God in heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful to be here today. Take the word of God now, please, and touch our hearts. Stir our hearts. And Lord, help us to leave here with a deeper understanding of how to gain favor in heaven with you. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well... I don't know if you have noticed, but we live in a day where everyone wants to be preferred. Everyone wants to be preferred. And some people live this way all the time. They will pay extra to be preferred. And you see it just about, when you open your eyes and look for it, you see it just about everywhere you go. If you travel enough, you can skip the normal TSA line if you're willing to pay an extra fee and go through a background check and you get to keep your shoes and your belt on and you get to just zip right how many don't talk about zip right through you paid for it didn't you and uh, zip right through security and uh, get straight to the gate and then guess what you get to the airport and you get into uh, there and if you have just the right credit card or just enough airline miles they've got a sky lounge for you and you go in there and you know, they, uh, they give you fancy food and they give you a foot massage. I don't know about the foot massage, but they, uh, you know, they just dote on you. They take care of you. And everywhere you go, you can find a way to be preferred, to be preferred. And uh, we live in a day where everyone wants this. And uh, this is promoted and pushed commercially. The word prefer means like one thing or person better than another or others and it carries with it the idea of tending to choose. Tending to choose. I prefer this over that. I prefer him or her over them. And uh, to prefer. Now, if you fly, uh, to go back to the airport here, Southwest Airlines offers their A-list preferred program. And 
you know, uh, I usually end up buying the cheapest ticket there is, and uh, I'm the back of the C program. You know, they've got, they've got A, and then they've got B divided into two groups, and then they've got C divided into two groups, and usually I'm one of the last ones to get on the plane, and I get the middle seat, right? And, oh, here comes that guy, okay? And so, uh, but prefer, and people want to be part of that A list. They pay extra to get to stand up and get on the plane First, and then there are luxury or preferred hotels. There are credit card companies that have their preferred award programs. And, and then there are rental car companies, right? And if you watch the rental car commercials and uh, you, you fly enough or travel enough, and you can walk past the desk and pick any car in the aisle, right? Pick any car. The keys are in it. You just get in and you go. And uh, preferred, preferred, preferred. Why is this such a selling point? Why is this word so marketable? Because people want to stand out. They want to be better. They want to be treated better than everyone else around them. So people with wealth get used to this kind of thing. Okay, The greater up the money tree you climb or the greater up the credit card debt tree you climb, whichever one it is, uh, the more pampered people get treated, all right? So let me give you some examples here, okay? Growing up, my family, we tra- when we did travel and had to stay in a hotel, we stayed in either the Days Inn or the Motel 6, all right? Todd Bodette, we'll leave the light on for you. How many remember the Todd Bodette commercials on the radio, right? We'll leave the light on for you. And I had no idea there was anything better than a Motel 6 Growing up, that's what we got, that's what we were used to. But lo and behold, uh, you have a step above the Motel 6, and that would be what? The Holiday Inn Express with a hot breakfast. Instead of the bagels and the, uh, you know, the, uh, the yogurt in the refrigerator, they actually have a hot breakfast for you. And then maybe a step above the Holiday Inn Express, and, and this varies location, but you have the Hampton Inn, and then above the Hampton Inn, you have the Marriott And then above the Marriott, you might have something like a Ritz-Carlton or a Park Hyatt, okay? Uh, Let me give you another example of the preferred ladder here. Uh, You have, let's say you're taking a trip, you're going on a long trip, you have those who, they road trip it in a small car, right? They get in a car and they road trip it. I remember when I was a teenager, uh, a friend of mine, he wanted to take me to Hammond, Indiana to go to a pastor's school we lived in Baltimore, and it was like a 12-and-a-half-hour drive. Uh, so it was me and him and his two parents, it was the four of us, and we loaded into a Chevrolet Cavalier with all of our luggage. Yes, my knees were in my throat the entire ride. And we drove 12-and-a-half hours across the country, right? And so you got driving across the country in a small car, and maybe if you have a little more money, you can take a preferred step above that, and you can fly coach. And then if you have a little more money, maybe you fly business class, and then a step above that would be flying first class. And if you're really, really preferred, then you have the money to rent or own a private jet, all right? I don't know that we have any private jet owners in the church. If so, you hide it well. Amen. Uh, so uh, when it comes to travel, uh, I, tr- I would love to try to fly first class, but I surely don't expect it. Now, what kind of people were Joseph and Mary by the world standards? Were they private jet Ritz-Carlton people? No, they were not. All right, in fact, 
They were turned away from the Motel 6 in Bethlehem, weren't they? Uh, the light was not left on for them, all right? They were turned away and they had to go stay in a cattle stall uh, to give birth uh, to the Messiah. Notice that the angel told Mary back in Luke 1 that she was highly favored in heaven. Now, she was not highly favored on earth, but Mary was highly favored in heaven. Heaven saw Mary as part of an elite class on earth. While Mary may not have been preferred by some credit card or may not have been preferred by some airline or some sky lounge or by TSA, Mary was preferred in heaven. In heaven. And I want to say this morning that we look at the simple life of Mary and we see some beautiful truths about who she was uh, and, and, and we see what kept her or what helped her to be highly favored or preferred in heaven. And if I go through life and I am not preferred on earth, but I get to heaven and find out that I was favored, highly favored, or preferred in heaven, I would call that a great success. A great success. And so uh, I think oftentimes we get focused on uh, earthly preference and earthly favor, and we can gain that at the expense of eternal preference or eternal favor. And I'm not talking about going to heaven. I'm talking about God looking down at your life and smiling real big and saying, I'm proud of him or I'm proud of her. I'm, I, I just glow and beam with the way that he walks in the light or the way that she lives her life. And I want to live my life in such a way where God looks down and says, that's my boy. And if you're a lady, God will look down and say, that's my girl. And I want God to look down and say, I'm proud of him. The world may not know who he is. The world may reject what he stands for, what he believes. But in heaven, he's highly favored. And so we're going to look at Mary today. And we're not going to put Mary on a pedestal uh, any more than the scripture does. All right. And to be very careful here, uh, we are a Baptist church and we believe the Bible. We're biblicists. Okay. Mary was a flawed person. I just said that out loud. All right. I know this is a highly Catholic area. We're not in a Catholic church. We got people that watch online. And I know that bothers some people when I say that. You say, Pastor, how could you say something so incendiary? Because the Bible says it about Mary. All right? Where does the Bible say that Mary was not perfect? Look at Luke chapter 1 and verse 46. And the Bible says, Mary says, My soul doth rejoice in God, my Savior. My Savior. You know what that means? That means Mary needed a Savior. Now, guess what? I'm going to make a very obvious statement. If you are perfect... You don't need a Savior. Is that true? You're perfect. You don't need a Savior. You know, when Jesus died on the cross, He died for His mother's sins too. And if that offends you, I'm sorry. I'm, trying, I'm not trying to be offensive with my speech. I'd rather, I'm not trying to be offensive with the way I say it. Uh, if what I say offends you, take it up with the Scripture, okay? Take it up with the Word of God. Let's not let a religious tradition stand between us and truth, all right? Let's take the word of God. So I'm not here to put Mary on a pedestal any more than Scripture does. But I am here to say that Mary was a very special girl. God looked around all of those who were of the tribe of David, all of the girls that were of the tribe of David, and he selected Mary. Mary. 
Not only did she fit the familial qualifications to give birth to the Messiah, she fit the spiritual qualifications. God looked down and said, that young lady has given me her heart, and I see something in her that's valid and worthy of allowing her to bear my son. What an awesome privilege. What an awesome privilege. Let's look at these four traits we see in Mary out of Scripture, and let's see how we can apply those into our life this morning. All right. Number one, notice Mary's reputation. Mary's reputation. Look back at verse 28. Luke chapter 1. The Bible says, And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, uh, if you've gone to church any length of time, or been around Christianity any length of time, you probably know the difference between reputation and character. Okay, but let me just for the sake of the message here, let me reiterate it. Let me, let me emphasize it here. Reputation is who others think you are. Character is who God knows that you are. All right? Reputation is who others think you are. Character is who, uh, who, God, who God knows that you are. Can I just say that for almost all of us, our character is not quite on the level that our reputation is. All right? Most of us, our reputation is a little deceiving. And God knows deep down who we really are. And it is not as good looking as who we want others to think we are. All right? And by the way, I'm not saying you should come to church and tell everyone every problem that you have and every mistake that you have. All right? I think that would be foolish. Um, I think it's good for you to have a person in your life who you can go and be open and honest with and vulnerable to that can help you. I think you should be open and honest with God because he already knows anyway, all right? But your reputation is who others think that you are. And boy, we work hard at guarding our reputation. We work hard. Let me help you give you a little glimpse at the difference between your reputation and your character, okay? Um, Do you talk to the pastor when you're upset the way you talk to your spouse or your family at home when you're upset? You don't, do you? All right. Um, you ever notice that it's a whole lot harder to be kind in a tough moment at home as opposed to kind in a tough moment when you're outside of the home? You know why? Because there is, there is margin, there is a gap between your reputation and your character. Now, you have all these Hebrew girls walking around of the tribe of David, And I'm sure all of them, many of them, put on the same front that Mary would have put on. I'm sure if you went around and you found 10 to 15 to 20 girls uh, that were uh, of the age and of the qualification to be the the mother of Jesus, you, you and I could have looked at all of them and observed all of them and not found much of a difference in them. But here's what God had the capability of do to do. He had the capability to look past what man sees and see the heart. And after observing all of them, he said, Mary is the one because her character is the strongest. If you want to be highly favored in heaven, here's what I want to tell you. Take your eyes off of people. Quit trying to please others and work on pleasing 
the God who knows you inside and out. Start focusing on that. The language that you use away from church. What you watch on TV when no one else is around. What you read and look at and study on your phone. Boy, make sure that if the Lord was in the flesh following you around each day, that your behavior comes very close to matching that. You want to be highly favored in heaven, you need a strong character. You need a strong character. And I believe that Satan is looking to pick us apart over our character flaws. He wants to take your marriage apart based on your character flaws. He wants to take your children into the world based on your character flaws. He wants to sink you out of church based on your character flaws. And you can hide those. You can hide those from everyone except the Lord. You can even hide that from a spouse or a parent or a loved one. But you cannot hide it from God. God looked down at Mary and he said, Mary, you're highly favored. Why? Because you have a character that comes very close to matching your reputation. Look at verse 31. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, look here, for thou hast found favor with God. Now I want you to imagine you're going to take your son, your divine son, and place him in the womb of a flawed human. And entrust that human to raise that baby, all right, up to an age to where he can be nurtured and developed and ready to live. What a thought, right? The song, Mary Did You Know, is, is very prominent this time of the year. I think Matthew played it last night as our, for our offertory. Did a great job with that. Uh, but uh, Mary Did You Know is a popular song. And in my opinion, is Mary knew, okay? Uh, I think that's the answer to the question. Yes, Mary knew. Did she know all of it? I don't know how much of it she knew, but I think she had a pretty good idea that when she kissed the face of her baby, she was kissing the face of God. What a thought, right? And, and so here you have this woman. God has entrusted her to raise his son. He needed a woman of high character. So you want to be highly favored in heaven? Boy, make sure that your character comes very close to matching your reputation. Number two, notice Mary's Reverence, Mary's reverence. Look back at verse number 30. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. So Mary is probably by herself at home. Maybe she's uh, doing some washing. Maybe she's doing some cleaning. Maybe she's doing some reading. I don't know what Mary would have been doing, but lo and behold, she's uh, in her home and an angel just appears there in her home. Now, you ever had someone pop out from around the corner and scare you? All right? Imagine having an angel pop out from around the corner and scare you. Okay? Imagine you're sitting there, all of a sudden an angel just appears right across from you, sitting on the couch across the way. Uh, that'd make you jump. That, that would be quite... Uh, that would be quite the experience. And Mary was afraid. Mary was, uh, 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 she was fearful at the sight. And that angel had to calm her down and say, no, I'm not here on bad terms. I'm here on good terms. Now, today, many people are not reverential toward God. 
And I want to ask you this morning, how careful are you with the things of the Lord in the name of the Lord? You see, there's two ways in which people are vain toward God. They're vain with their lips. Vain with their lips. Do you understand that God's name is special and holy? We're not to just throw that word around loosely. And I preach on this occasionally because it needs to be preached on. But God is King of kings and Lord of lords and He is holy. You be very careful how you throw His name around. Be very careful how you use His name. The letters OMG, we all know what they stand for. You be very careful about even posting those letters in a social media post or just throwing that around because of what it implies. Be very careful about saying those words. It's been said that when the Old Testament was written by the scribes, they would come to the name of Jehovah or Adonai, and before they would write that name down, they would set their pen down. They would go and take a bath. They would put on a fresh set of clothes. They would then go write the name down and then put their pen down and then go take another bath and put on another set of clothes and then continue writing. And they would do that each time they came to that name because they wanted to be that careful. We have people who walk around and just throw God's name around so loosely. Be careful with even slang terms that come close. Be reverential toward your Lord. You see, when you value somebody and you love them, boy, you're careful. I just want to stop and make you think about this. I I hear people take God's name in vain as I'm out and about. I even hear it sometimes with other Christians, even Christians that go to this church. And I I don't usually say anything. I try my best just to bite my tongue. And I find myself making excuses for people. And I really do believe a lot of people do it because they're just parroting what they heard someone else say. I don't think they mean anything dishonorable toward God. But I want to ask you this. If we were to use your mother's name the way that people use God's name, how comfortable would you be with that? Are you more reverential toward your own mother than you are toward your God? But see, there's another way that people don't reverence God. It isn't just the lips, it's the lifestyle. It's our lifestyle. You see, it ought to be that everything we do is with the thought of, will this honor or dishonor my Savior? Will this please God or will this hurt the heart of God? You see, if I listen to this on the radio or listen to this podcast or watch this on TV or go to this location or hang out with these friends or behave in this way, is this going to honor my Savior or is this going to dishonor my Savior? And see, we can be vain in even the way that we live our life. Mary was not only... Um, Mary was not only uh, uh, a woman of reputation, she was, she was also a woman of great reverence. The angel came in and startled her. She was even fearful for her life. She was most likely in emotional shock, but God chose her because she was a woman who had a deep respect 
to God. Let's look, move on and look at number three and notice Mary's responsibility. Mary's responsibility. Look with me at Luke chapter 1. Look at verse number 31. The angel says to her, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. I've made reference to this already in the sermon, but uh, the great responsibility that God gave Mary. Do you know that Jesus had Mary's DNA? Stop and think about that. Some of Mary's uh, uh, features of the way she looked and uh, all that mixed into his blood, born through her womb, her virgin womb, and given the responsibility of raising Jesus, the God-man, into an adult. That's wild. What a great, heavy responsibility to have. I remember the first time that Angela and I chose a babysitter to watch Matthew. Matthew's just a little guy, and, you know, I wanted my alone time with my wife, all right? And so I'm pushing for a date. Matthew's probably a good six months old at this time, and we wanted, I, I wanted alone time with Angela without Matthew around, all right? And so uh, pushing and pushing and pushing, Angela's not comfortable with it. She's not comfortable with it. And finally, uh, we found someone Angela would be comfortable with letting watch Matthew. And you know what? The whole time that we were out on that date, Angela was not paying attention to, the, to me. You know what she was paying attention to? Her phone. All right? Why? Because she's texting back and forth. Is my baby okay? Is my baby okay? Is he all right? And um, when, we, when we were first married... Um, or rather, when Matthew was first born, I was looking for an assistant pastor position, and we went to three or four churches. And I'm trying. You go to a church service looking for a job as an assistant pastor. Can I tell you what that church service is? It's a job interview. That's what it is. All right. And so uh, you got to go in there and make a good first impression. And so I'm telling Angela in the car on the way there, you will leave him in their nursery, and she's horrified. I don't know these people. I've never even been on the property. I don't know these nursery workers. All right. And so, uh, no, you're going to leave him. And watching her hand that, you mothers know exactly what I'm talking about, watching her hand that baby over the, the nursery counter to some woman she doesn't know, Matthew's only a, a few months old, and taking her by the arm and leading her away. Now imagine God saying, I'm going to take my baby, and I'm going to put him in the womb of a flawed human, and I'm going to entrust her to hold him, and uh, uh, keep him warm and change his diaper and feed him and take care of him and raise him to age. And we know Mary was responsible because we have one story of, um, uh, of, of the life of Jesus as a child. And what does she do? She loses him. <laughs> she loses him. She takes him to Jerusalem. He's 12 years old. And they turn around and go home. And where is Jesus? He's not with them. Okay, and they go back and they look all over Jerusalem and finally they go to the temple and there he is, right? He's, 
he's debating with the Pharisees and the scribes, and they're amazed at what he knows. And, and she says, you about gave me a heart attack, if I could translate it into modern-day English. And he just looks at her and says, woman, don't you know I'm going to be about my father's business? I mean, are you surprised I'm here? All right, I'm doing the work of my father in heaven. He already had it figured out who he was. Now, let me make the application to me and you. God has not given you his son to raise. But he has given you the gift of eternal life. He has given you spiritual gifts. You know the difference between a talent and a gift? You're born with your talents, whether you're saved or not. And I'm amazed at some of the talent out there. This time of the year, Christmas, uh, uh, I love listening to Christmas music. And yesterday I took the time, and, and finally life slowed down enough where I could do this. I took the time to build my own personalized Christmas playlist. And Nat King Cole, and Bing Crosby, and, and Perry Como, and I, I worked, uh, let's see, um, I, I've been getting in trouble for saying some of this, but forgive me, all right? I've already stepped on all kinds of toes with Mary, so I've, it, it, all bets are off now. But um, uh, Josh Groban's Oh Holy Night, I put that in there. and uh, Just some good, 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 high quality, for me, high quality uh, Christmas music. And God has gifted these people with wonderful talent. But do you know that talent and spiritual gifts are not the same? You see, you're given talents at your physical birth. You're given gifts at your spiritual birth. God gifted you with spiritual gifts. He gave those to you not to squander, not to take that talent, if you will, out of Matthew 25 and bury it in the earth and not use it. He didn't give it to you to just use for the the promotion of yourself. He gave you spiritual gifts so that you would grow the kingdom of heaven. You want to be highly favored like Mary was? Then you be responsible enough to take the gift of eternal life and the spiritual gifts that He's given you and you use them for His honor and His glory. You put His kingdom ahead of yours. You build His kingdom before you build yours. God looked down at Mary and He said, I can trust her because I know she'll do her part to raise my son up to be a young man who can fulfill the purpose by which I'm sending him to earth to do. Mary's responsibility God has gifted you with uh, many things, and He expects you to use those for His honor and His glory. Number four, and lastly, notice Mary's Redeemer. Look at Luke chapter 1, and look at verse number 46. Luke chapter 1, verse 46. I referenced this a moment ago. Mary is rejoicing here because... She's been chosen to give birth of the Christ child, the promised Messiah. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary needed a Savior or a Redeemer. She needed a Redeemer. What a profound thought that Jesus would be born through her womb, She would raise him, watch him go through all of the stages of of growth, from being a young baby to a toddler, and then four, five, six years old, and then preteen, and then uh, through the puberty process of becoming a man, and and then uh, 
taking up the craftsman of a carpenter, just like Joseph, and and then at the age of 30, he would break off, and, and she would push him into doing his first miracle. Remember him turning the water into wine. Remember that? And he says, it's not yet my time. And she says, yeah, it is. She pushes him out of the nest and says, it's time. Get out there and do it. And and uh, that uh, kicked off his public ministry as far as miracles go. And three and a half years, she would watch as a distance with glee and a glow uh, both on her face and in her heart as Jesus, her son, uh, was uh, growing in popularity. And then she watched as her son, the tide turned, and he was no longer popular. And then she watched as he was arrested, maybe not directly, but knew of it, and then was there the day that he was crucified. She stood at the base of that cross and wept as her son was being brutally killed. Do you think Mary knew why her son was up there? Do you think Mary knew that he was becoming the sin of mankind? I happen to think she did. I think Jesus had probably had many long talks with her across the table. Remember as a teenage boy, I'd come home after a long day at school and basketball practice and homework and and I'd sit down and my brothers and sisters would go to bed and I'd sit at the table with my mom and we'd talk sometimes till 11 o'clock or midnight and, and I'd go off to bed and I had a very heart connection with my mother in my teen years and I would share with her everything. Imagine Jesus must have done that with his mother. I'm doing some speculating here, I'll admit that. I imagine Jesus may be sitting there across a table that he and Joseph had built together and he's talking to her and says, I I wasn't born to liberate Israel. I was born to liberate all of mankind from their sin. One day I'm going to go and I'm going to die and I'm going to become the sin of mankind. I wonder as Mary stood at the base of that cross and watched her son as he was being brutally killed as we described in the message last night. I wonder if Mary stood there and looked up and said, My soul doth rejoice in God my Savior. Jesus not only became the sin of the world, He became Mary's sin. And He died in her place just like He died in your place. I want to ask you a question this morning. As good of a woman as Mary was, if she needed a Redeemer and a Savior, then do you think that you can get to heaven any other way? If she needed a Savior, then don't you and I need a Savior? I'm preaching to familiar faces mostly this morning, although there's a handful of you here I don't yet know well. I hope to get the opportunity to get to know you better. But if I could sit with you and have a chance to talk to you about one thing, and only one thing, it would be this right here. Jesus came to earth to die for your sin. That's why He came. You see, as Mary looked up and saw her son in agony and pain on that cross, she knew he was up there for her. But he wasn't just up there for Mary. He was up there for you. He died to set you free from your sin. 
And salvation is a gift that Jesus purchased with his life on that cross. And when he died, not only did he suffer for your sin, in his death, he purchased the gift of everlasting life in heaven. You see, Luke 1 and 2 point ahead to John chapter 3 and verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. The reality is that Jesus Christ did die for your sin. Please listen. Hang tight. We could have as few people moving around the auditorium as possible right now. I would greatly appreciate it. This is the most important part of the message. We need as few distractions as possible. Please hang tight. I'm almost done. The reality is that Jesus died on the cross for your sins. But that, that fact alone will not get you into heaven. Jesus dying is only half of the equation. You must place your faith in His death, burial, and resurrection. And until you make that personal choice to believe, that gift of eternal life, while purchased, is not yours. You see, the gift was purchased on the cross. But the gift is not yours until you open up your heart and receive it. And I want to invite each one here today and those watching online to do what Mary did. I want to invite you to rejoice in God your Savior. You need to make that personal today. Are you highly favored of the Lord? Does your your reputation match your character? Are you reverential toward God in heaven with the way you speak and the way you live? Are you responsible to use the gifts that God has given you to build His kingdom? Have you put your faith in Christ alone to be your Savior? Last night I said that the gift, greatest gift at Christmas that could be received is the gift of eternal life. Don't leave that one sitting under the tree. Don't leave that one sitting under the cross. It's been paid for, but it's not yours until you believe and receive. Let's have our heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Mary had a redeemer. And my friend, you need one too. You need to receive the gift of eternal life if you've not yet done so. Now the beautiful thing is that once you open up your heart and receive that gift, that is permanently yours. That can never be undone. It can never be taken from you. In fact, that gift is guarded by the power of God in heaven. But my friend, that gift is not yours until you call on the name of the Lord and receive it. If you're here today and you have never put your faith in Christ alone, let me encourage you to do that right now. All you have to do is just tell the Lord that you're a sinner and tell the Lord you want that gift of eternal life. Admit that your sin condemns you to hell. And that Jesus purchased the gift and paid your hell on the cross. Tell him you believe in him. I'd be happy to help you do that at this time. If you've never received the gift of eternal life and you'd like to ask God to give it to you and make it yours, right where you're sitting under your breath, just pray this very simple prayer. Just say, Dear Lord Jesus, 
I know that I am a sinner. And I know that my sin condemns me to an eternity in hell. Thank you for dying on the cross and suffering in my place. Thank you for paying the penalty of my sin. I receive the gift of eternal life. Save my soul. And take me to heaven when I die. My faith from my heart is in you and in you alone. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and eyes still closed this morning, if you prayed that prayer, and you meant that prayer from your heart, your first time praying that prayer with sincerity, I'd like to rejoice with you. If you prayed that prayer, would you just slip up your hand right where you are? I prayed that prayer and I meant it. I see one hand. Is there another? I prayed that prayer. I meant that prayer from my heart. I received the greatest gift offered to mankind. I received the gift of eternal life. If you receive that gift this morning, I rejoice with you. I sure hope we get a chance to talk with you after the service. And just make sure that you did fully understand what you just did there. Thank you for raising your hand this morning. How many of you would say this morning, Pastor, there's some things the Spirit of God touched in my heart this morning. I need to do some cleanup work in my life to be highly favored of the Lord. I want to be preferred in heaven. I need to take my eyes. Sometimes I need to take my eyes off of the world and make my thinking, my perspective more eternal. Pastor Lejeune, pray for me that God would help me to make these changes. If that's you, would you slip up your hand right where you are? God put his hand on some things in my life this morning. Please pray for me. Lord, I do pray that you'd help each hand that's been raised. Lord, may we be more focused on who you know we are than what we want others to think we are. May we we be responsible with the gifts that you've given us. May our lives be lived in a way that's respectful and reverential to the God in heaven that both created us and then sent His Son to save us. Thank you for the one hand that was raised this morning signifying salvation. We rejoice with this person. Lord, help us this morning to make decisions that will please you in Jesus' name.